And uh, I'm excited about the message. Um, I really believe it's got some information in it that's going to help all of us grow in our prayer lives. Now, let me review with you real quick. We are in sermon number five of six. I've got one more, okay? So we're in sermon five. This is part two of part one. What do we pray about? Okay? So we're looking at that today again. And I'm going to ask you to read with me, if you would, please, what I believe to be very possibly the most powerful paragraph on prayer in the entire Bible. That's arguable. That's just my opinion. But James 5, 13 through 18 is, in my estimation, the most powerful prayer passage in teaching us how to properly pray of any passage in all the Bible. And uh, I know there's other passages that, that, that you, could, you could say, well, my favorite or my, my choice would be this. But nevertheless, I'm going to preach with that kind of intensity, believing it to be my favorite passage on prayer, in, in, at least on how to pray. So let's read it together, shall we? And then we'll review and just move forward. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Is any cheerful? Let him sing. Let him sing songs. Let him sing praises. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent, I like this word a little better today, energetic. That's what that means there. The effectual, energetic prayer of a righteous man availeth much or has great power. Elijah was a man. Elijah was a man. Remember that. He was subject to to like passions as we are. But he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three and a half years. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So let's let's review. That's the passage. Let's review. Number one, remember this? We talked about this. Number one, pray for emotional health. Remember that? All right, let's talk about that for just a minute. Let's get up to speed because, you know, it has been two weeks since I've preached. So I got a lot of preach in me. You know what I, you know what I mean? Have you, ever, have you ever not done something you love for a while and you can't wait to do it again? That's what you got this morning, all right? You got that guy. Pray for emotional health. Now, some of the greatest ailments of our day are caused by emotional problems. Uh, worry, anxiety, fear, insecurity. I mean, these are often things that turn into physical ailments. Uh, My wife would probably tell you that some of her colon issues and digestive issues that began to become really bad health problems were caused because of emotional things going on in her life. Oftentimes, the greatest emotional pain that we suffer is when we endure evil treatment by somebody else. In fact, Scripture teaches us oftentimes that it is something that has happened to us in our past, some sort of evil treatment, some words that have been said, some things that have been done to us, and we begin to harbor that in our lives, and it begins to eat away 
at our health. And I can tell you personally, I can tell you personally that if you don't take those things that have happened to you by the hands of other people to the Lord in prayer, I can promise you this, it'll ruin you. It'll ruin your life. I've met people in their 70s and 80s and even older who are bitter, angry, negative, grumpy. And be sure of it, something has happened to them that they did not and have not taken to the Lord in prayer. And as a result of that, they are not getting better. They are getting bitter. Let me make a statement. To get, you get better or you get bitter depending on your choice about prayer. Remember that. You're going to get better or you're going to get bitter depending on what you do about what you're learning about prayer in this sermon series. I found that either you're kneeling to give it to God or it's gnawing away at your insides. One of the two. Either you're kneeling to give it to God. I had a man come up to me after the service this morning. And he looked at me and he said, Preacher, I want to thank you for that sermon. Tears in his eyes. He said, that, that right there was for me. It was, I've had something gnawing away at my insides because I haven't knelt and give it, given it to God. And this morning he got the victory over that. Had another man come down the aisle. First time he's been in our services, weeping and crying. Gave me the biggest bear hug you've ever seen. If you were, some of you, two or three of you were here to see it. It was powerful. He wrapped his arms around me and I said, what have you come for? He said, I've come because I've got something gnawing away. What is it? He said, it's sin. I need someone to pray with me. And we fell to our knees and prayed and he began to get the victory. Listen, this is real, folks. This is real. And all of us, if we're honest, and by the way, as the message rolls on, you'll see my honesty come through. And and you're not alone in this thing. How much cancer, how much high blood pressure, how many kidney problems, digestive issues, colon dysfunctions, other problems are flowing from this? I mean, how much healthier could we get physically if we dealt with these things in prayer? We don't pray as we ought. And God's answer to all of this is prayer. Look at verse 13 for just a moment. It says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Any, any cheerful, let him sing songs. This is not just for those of us who are sick or afflicted. This is for those of us who are cheerful this morning. I've had a good week. God's been good to me this week. My family's healthy. My, my son just got married. I, I've got two new grandkids. I mean, man, not a whole lot I'm going to complain about lately. God's been good. So I don't have to pray, right? I mean, I'm going to high. I mean, I don't need to fall on my knees and pray. I'll wait till it gets bad, right? No, 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 no. If you're sick, pray. If you're cheerful, pray. On the mountains, pray. In the valleys, pray. In the sunshine, pray. In the rain, pray. On top of the world, pray. In the depths of despair, pray. Pray, 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 pray. That's what you'll find in James chapter 5. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're fearing, no matter what you're feeling about the future, God's provision for that is prayer. Prayer. Your health is less about what you eat and more about what eats you. You know, I'm all for good health and I'm all for this, you know. I mean, I know people that are so, you know, involved in health and everything's about health and everything's about what they eat and how they exercise and what their body fat is and not here to criticize any of that. Don't send me any emails about the fact that I didn't promote good health. I'm all for good health. 
But I will tell you this. I'm much more, I'd rather eat a greasy hamburger and be at, and, 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 and be at peace with God and not bitter and angry and frustrated and worried. I'd rather eat a greasy hamburger and, and deal with a cholesterol pill than I would deal with the anxiety issues and anger issues and bitter issues that some people are dealing with because they're not giving it to the Lord in prayer. By the way, I've stayed pretty healthy and I've eaten about a thousand greasy hamburgers. Amen? So anyway, I think it's just I'm hyper. I'm not sure what it is. But uh, anyway... So, so God, 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 God does heal our emotional health. But what about this? Number two, pray for physical health. Physical health. God does heal. And right here is where I want to mention what we've experienced with Jerome Sims. Jerome Sims is sitting on the second row looking better than ever. But two weeks ago... He was literally at a place of 50-50 life or death on life support. A, a, a blood clot had filled his lungs and brought the doctors to a place where his wife is signing a piece of paper saying, this medicine is his only hope, but it could be fatal. She's signing a piece of paper knowing her husband may pass away. He's on a ventilator. We're in that room anointing him with oil, praying fervently, energetically, Believing God's going to touch him right after she signed a piece of paper that said it could be fatal. We know, Jerome, with oil, we pray. When we finish praying and say, in Jesus' name, amen, his eyes are open and he's looking at his wife. She says, Jerome, did you hear us pray? He said, she said, do you know how serious this is? And I want you to know from that moment until this, we have seen, we saw, and have experienced a miracle of God's healing Jerome. I mean, let's give Jesus a big hand clap of praise. Because this, you see, this, yes, there's good doctors. Yes, there's good nurses. And by the way, they were. They were great. And there was one point where Marlena had, had, had been overwhelmed with, with, the humanity of things, the fear of the unknown. That's humanity. Believe me, Marlena wasn't in there just, praise the Lord. I know God's going to heal my husband. To God be the glory. Hi, pastor. Everything's great. I know he's in a respirator, but it's okay. Hey, people get a respirator. No, she was at times struggling. It was only at times the faith uh, that she had and the faith that other people had. And it was at times when she fell down on her knees in that ICU room crying tears and a nurse kneels down and puts her arm around her and says can I pray with you a nurse God sent a nurse into that room to pray with her thank God for Christians that work in secular fields amen and God began to to work in miraculous ways and we have seen God do a miracle but I want you to know we have in this passage this is why it's my favorite the New Testament method for healing We have it right here. It tells us how God heals. Look at it in verse 14 and 15. It says, is any sick among you? If you're sick, if you're in ICU, or if you're concerned about something physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, call the elders of the church and let them pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. This is the New Testament model. And so we've had folks... That are, and, and by the way, hey, we've got some I haven't gotten to yet, and we're working on it. And we're we're we've gotten real busy lately. I, I've been uh, I've been enjoying the prayer times I've had with people, even in this room, and anointing with oil. Last night we anointed someone with oil. 
Yesterday, uh, the night before, my wife and I went out to a home, anointed the child in our church with all that's having nightmares in his room. It was beautiful. And God is bringing people together, bringing me closer to church families as a result of this healing method that God has given us that is not spooky, it is spiritual. And, and, and the more we go deeper into it, the more we become comfortable with God working in these ways. It's awesome. And so notice, though, in verse 15, it says something very interesting, that the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. What does that mean? Well, Scripture here is teaching us that these are sins, because obviously there are sins at times that can be potentially contribute to someone's physical health. I think it's healthy for our church family to become comfortable with the fact that you may be asked if you are, are asking for prayer, that it's, it's a good thing if an elder were to ask you, is there anything you need to confess and ask God to forgive you? Because unconfessed sin can hinder answered prayer. And so if there's sin in your life, those sins need to be forgiven. And, and there needs to be an open confession of those sins to God as he forgives your sins. But, but sometimes confrontation is healthy. And so as the elders anoint with all, they may ask, is there anything you need to just confess to God? Why don't you do that right now? And we're seeing people set free as they begin to realize, you know what? It was this sin in my life that was hindering me from having the answer prayer that I needed. Wow. And then, new material. Are you ready? Number three? Before I give you number three, let me make a few just... Transition phrases, transition statements. Number one, I want to remind you that 80 to 85% of churches in our country are in decline. I say that only because I, I want to, I want our church to be released to not be one of those churches. I want us to understand that we don't have to board up our church. We can thrive and experience revival right here and right now if we get a hold of this thing called prayer. Could it be that the absence of prayer is the reason that churches are in decline? Because God is not reluctant. God is not unwilling. In fact, Scripture says we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask wrongly. And so I'm convinced that long before the church dies, long before the pews are empty, long before the hearts are hard, long before the eyes are dry, long before the pulpit is dead, long before healing doesn't happen... You can trace it back to the source of prayer, a lack of prayer, prayerlessness, a lack of emphasis of prayer in the church. And so we have to get back to this thing called prayer that's always getting off the table. We have to fight for it. In fact, I'm almost, I don't want to leave the sermon series. I've loved it so much because as I preach on it, my prayer life is growing. Every sermon I preach, I, I'm, I'm more enraptured with this thing of prayer. I'm spending more time in prayer. I'm, I'm praying breakthrough prayer. I'm anointing. I mean, it's awesome. Why? We're emphasizing it. But you watch. We transition. Preach another sermon series or two or three or four. Go a year maybe without a strong emphasis on prayer. And I promise you, the fire begins to go out. Why? Because we have to work at this. That's why we must allow prayer to become the DNA of our church. It's got to become something that we are willing to put on the top shelf 
to put right on the forefront of everything we do because it's always going to get loose and we're always going to have to tighten this thing up again. Always. And so I'm calling the people of gospel light back to prayer. Prayer first. Prayer most. And sometimes prayer the longest. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. Wouldn't you like to see great and mighty things? You say, yeah. You mean like, 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 like back in the 1800s? We didn't live in the 1800s. Well, preacher, I, I'm telling you, man, I'm really hoping the future generations, we're not going to live in the 2100s. We live now. This is our time. This is our moment. This is our chance to impact the world for Jesus Christ. This is our day. This is our time for, to call out to God to do that. And I don't want to be someone who, who just looks to the past to see God's great movements and to look to the future and what God can do. I'm asking God to do it now. I remember what God did here. I remember the days of 24-hour prayer chains. I remember when we would, uh, we would call a fast in the church. I remember when we, when we got that old storefront building in, in the early days of our church, 25 years ago, and all the sacrifice that went into that little congregation with uh, just a handful of people and how God broke loose in that church and began to provide finances for us to build that 400-seat auditorium. Miraculously, we couldn't afford it. It wasn't in our budget. We didn't have any way that we could have done it apart from a miracle and God answering prayer. And then I remember for two years, we marched around these buildings, 14 acres in the city. We marched for two years at 9 o'clock at night, 50 to 100 people every Saturday night. If we marched any earlier, we were afraid some of their members might see us and wonder, why are y'all doing that? Because well, we we're asking God to give us your buildings. <laughs> no, we prayed late at night. They found out anyway. I remember those days when we prayed for Mark Brown and asked God to touch you, Mark. And Mark, I think twice now, has needed that prayer. God's healed him and some things have crept back in and God healed him and here he is today, sitting in the balcony, one of my best friends in all the world. I remember when God touched Destiny McGrew. That Wednesday night, we all fell on our faces in that church building and began to cry out to God. Today, Destiny's a freshman at Champion Christian College. What am I saying? I'm saying we have seen God's hand move as recent as two weeks ago in Jerome's life. Sonny Dunn being here this morning next to his precious wife, Sandra, I'm so thankful you're here because, again, how many times have you heard their names on the prayer line? How many times have you cried out to God for God just to touch them and help them and extend their life? What am I saying? I'm saying that this is what it's all about. And if you're new to this, then get used to it. We are a people of prayer. And this is one of the pillars that holds our church up. Four pillars. If you take one pillar, the whole thing comes down. Take one pillar off. So number three, pray for emotional health, pray for... Physical health. Three, pray for spiritual health. Now, I want to approach spiritual health by using verse 16. Can I do that? Look it with me. It's pretty cool. In verse 16, it transitions and says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. Wow. I want to talk about that for just a moment. Confess your faults one to another. That is a statement that oftentimes... Especially we Baptists, you know, and if you're not a Baptist, I'm not as Baptist as I used to be, okay? <laughs> Don't worry. I'm, I'm, a much, I'm a Christian before I'm anything else, okay? I'm a Jesus follower. But 
I say if you're a Baptist because the truth of the matter is, 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 is we've not been real comfortable with this verse. We just don't do anything like this. We're, we're, we don't know how to approach it. What does it mean, confess your faults one to another? Well, let me start by just doing this. I'm going to go back door on you. I'm going to go back door. I'm going to give you a confession script that I have used many times in my life. A script that is very transparent and a script that I've used with my wife at times. It may come out a little differently at times, different situations, but there's been times where I've had to, I've had to say this to my wife. There's been times I've had to say this to my church. There's been times I've had to say this to my kids. There's been times I've had to say this to my daughter-in-laws. There'll be times I have to say this to my grandsons. Let me give it to you. Number one, I sin. I sin. It's just the truth. I mean, you can determine if this is you or not, but this is me. I sin. Secondly, I have no excuse. I have no excuse. Nothing that anyone else did, nothing that anyone else did, in any way justifies my sin. Sometimes I try to blame somebody else. Sometimes I try to justify it. But when I get totally clean, this is what I say every time. I'm wrong. I'm just wrong. That's the bottom line. I am sorry for... I'm sorry for losing my temper. I'm sorry for stealing from God. I'm sorry for thinking things that have been hurting my spirit. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Now, this is a confession script that I would like for us to take just a moment and practice. It may be different for you, but hang on. We're talking about confessing our sins one to the other. What does that mean? So say this with me at the count of three. One, two, three. I sin. I have no excuse. Nothing that anyone else did in any way justifies my sin. I am wrong. I am sorry for, please forgive me. Now, these words are words that need to be said to one another at times. These words are words of healing. And the person that can say these words to God or to someone else is going to light their prayer life on fire. Trust me. When you can say this to God or to someone else, you're lighting your prayer life on fire. Now, let me go through the front door. That's the back door. Here's the front door. Now, the confessing part, the confessing your sins one to another part is the part that confuses us because we do not believe in confessing our sins to one another for the, for the reason of or for the purpose of forgiveness. Right? Rather, we believe that we should confess our sins one to another for assurance of forgiveness. Hang on. What does Scripture say about forgiveness? I'll say it. You finish it. Only God can forgive sins. Only God. You see, as a, as a, as a religious person, I was involved in, in a religion where I would, I would very, very methodically, very on time, every month, go to a booth, walk into the booth, and confess my sins to a man. And I would say, forgive me, I have sinned. I would say my confession script to a man. Forgive me, I have sinned. My last confession was this. 
and, and here's my sins. I, I, I'm sorry, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. And then I would listen to that man tell me how I could be forgiven, what I would have to do, how many candles I would have to light, how much money I would have to pay, how many times I'd have to do the rosary. And I would do those things for forgiveness of sins. Well, that's just not scriptural. Because only God can forgive sins. But the reason why we do confess our sins one to another is for assurance of forgiveness of sins. Because that's what we struggle with. Think about it. Before you were saved, you didn't feel so bad about sinning, did you? I didn't. I remember stealing money from my mom off the counter. I mean, off her bedroom counter, sneaking in, you know, getting the change. I remember. Wicked. And guess what? I never gave it back. Yeah, rotten little kid, wasn't a Sinner, right? We shouldn't be surprised when sinners act like sinners. We're selfish. And then we get saved. And we go to the restaurant, right? And we pay for the meal and the cashier gives us too much money. We didn't know it at the time, but we go out to the car and we're counting, making sure. And we're like, ooh. Huh. <laughs> ooh. We cannot take off. We got to get back in there and give that money back. And why? Because, man, we, we know we've been forgiven and, 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 and we struggle now with, with any sin in our lives. We just want to confess it and get it right. We struggle with anything in our lives that might not be right because we know that God lives in us and, and the Spirit of God convicts us and, and that assurance of going to someone and taking care of that. That's what I'm talking about. Our hearts are tender. Our hearts are sensitive. That's the way it's supposed to be. So let me ask you a question. Is that the way it is for you? Are you sensitive? Because if you are, then you're going to find yourself not confessing your sins one to another for forgiveness, but realizing that it is the prayers of the people of God that live in your community called the church that you ought to feel as if you can go to them and say, man, I'm struggling. Could you pray with me? I, I'm just struggling. I've got some things in my life that aren't exactly right. You've already asked God to forgive you, but you need that support. You need someone to pray with you. What is wrong with us that we feel so strange about asking someone to pray for us? Why did this gentleman feel as if he could walk down the aisle, give me a bear hug, and just say pray in tears? That's church, folks. That's the body of Christ. That's what it means to be set free, to know that you're not judged, you're loved, and you've got support, and people care for you. And what we ought to see at Gospel Light as the culture changes is more people praying with more people. It's not like, you know, you see that couple over there in the corner praying? Huh. I bet they had some things to get right with God about. You know. Yeah, did you hear about, you know, Butch and Sonia were praying at the altar. I bet they had a big fight this week. You know, we tend to judge. We look at things and we think, oh, they must have some big problems. No, no, what they're doing is they're practicing their faith. They're doing what God says to do. They're confessing. They're praying for one another. This is the healthy life of a church that's, that's a prayer church. So it's good. It's not a bad thing. I challenge you to try it. Number four, pray for specific results. Look at the rest of verse 16. Pray for specific results. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be 
healed. Whatever that is. The effectual, fervent, energetic prayer of a righteous man availeth or has great power. I mean, it's, it's, it's effective. It's fervent. It gets things done. It, you get results when you pray like this. Energetic praying is very strong. It's very strong. But notice there is a qualification for energetic praying. The effectual, the energetic prayer of a what? Of a righteous man. That's the qualification. Energetic praying is very strong from a righteous person. So let's remember real quick, quick review. Time out. Quick re- let's go back a couple of sermons, three sermons. Remember Luke chapter 18, verses on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. Follow along with me for just a moment. I know this is something we've already done, but let's do it again for three minutes. Let's remember, because this is critical. This is so important. Luke 18, verse, verse number 10 says, Two men went up to the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee, the other was a publican or a tax collector. The Pharisee stood, he prayed thus with himself. Remember this? He prayed like this. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or especially like him. So glad I'm not like him. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So he's bragging about himself. He's better than others. He's doing great. He's righteous. He's good. He's better than others. A lot of Christians like this. We're better than other people. We're Americans. We're better because we're American. We've got to stay away from that. That is, that is not godly. And then it says, And the publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his eyes into heaven. But he smote his breast and he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And then scripture says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified or righteous or declared righteous rather than the other. He was humble and he recognized that the only righteousness in him was the righteousness of God. Remember this, church. We are not righteous. There is none righteous. No, not one. The only good in us is God. That's the only good. And so for you and I to go around thinking that anything that we have been given is because of our goodness, that is sin. That is, that is pride. Listen, God wants to hear from people that know their righteousness comes from God and not from themselves. That's who God wants to hear from. And if you've been saved, then you've been given the righteousness of God. It's been imputed, if you will, unto you. You are righteous and therefore... Because of Jesus, you are righteous, and only because of him. Now, guess what? You ready for this? You can pray for specific results. You can go boldly to the throne of grace. Look at Hebrews 4. This is amazing. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Boldly, energetic, fervently. We can go to God's throne and pray in the name of Jesus, knowing that it is not because of us, that we're going to have answered prayer, but because of the great God that we serve, that has declared us righteous, and because of him, we have been given access, access to the Father through Jesus. This is incredible. This is powerful. The old story about Abraham Lincoln, he, there was a boy that wanted to talk to the president of the United States back in the Civil War. He wanted the request of the president something very specific. And as soon as he got on the lawn, the 
to, uh, to go talk to the president. He was held up by officials and people would not, you know, who do you think you are, kid? Well, he came back about 30 minutes later and he walked the same path, but this time he walked straight past all the guards and they never said a word. And he walked to the back door. He had a friend with him and nobody said a word. And these two boys walked straight into the Oval Office and And the little boy said to Mr. Lincoln, the other boy said, Dad, this kid wants to talk to you. And that little boy got to ask the president a question because he had the son with him. And you see, you and I have access to God because of the son. Wow. It's, we don't have access because of us. If you go to God and think, you know, hey, I'm good enough. I, I'll, I'll just talk to God because I have arrived. No, no, you're, you're, you're going to get shot down. You, that, you're full of pride. That, that is that. You're, you are like this, this Pharisee. But when we're like the publican, we humble ourselves. And, and God begins to hear our prayers. And he begins to do things that we would have never imagined. So start praying for results. Start praying for something to happen. And because of that, gentlemen, I'm going to ask you to stand wherever you are and begin to pass these out again. All over the building. If we could pass these out. Are we ready for this? Good. Just get them out. Go, go, go. And uh, thank you, guys. I'm, I wanted to do this right while I'm talking because I want to emphasize we're going to do this for 40 days again. Amen? This will be it. I, but I don't feel like we're done yet. I feel like we need to try this again. Now, to, I'll tell you one little thing we did. We, we meant to give these out last week, but uh, we had missions conference. I failed to do it. So we're about seven days behind as far as the calendar is concerned, but that's not a problem. Just start tomorrow. That's October the 23rd, right? I think. Okay, so October 23rd. Start tomorrow. I'm going to ask you to, to, to begin to pray again. Second, second round, breakthrough prayer. Expect results. That's my point. Pray for specific results. God, break through and do something in this area of my life. Be specific. Name it. Tell God exactly what you want. Everybody get one. If you need more, ushers, put them on the back table. I got seven of these filled out. Seven, okay? I tried to do one, and I'm like, God, this one thing's not going to work. I've got seven things that I need you to break through. One of those was the college getting accredited. Tuesday, you might hear a shout from Orlando, Florida. If you do, it's me. That's one of my breakthroughs. So, <clears throat> pray urgently for something to happen. Let's finish verse 16 and we'll be done. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Pray for a door to open or close. Pray for a heart to soften. Pray for a contact to come to church. Pray for increased faith. Let me give you this thought. It's on the screen. Put that next one on the screen. L- listen to this statement. Yeah, yeah. Then I think it's the next one. We, we pray for easier paths. Look at this one. We pray for easier paths when we ought to pray for stronger shoes. And that's not a quote of mine, but when I read that, I wanted to show you my hiking shoes from Vanuatu. And I want to explain these to you. So I'm going to the jungle, right? Jeremy was just here. You heard him preach last Sunday. So I'm going to the jungle. So I hear this, this is like not for the faint of heart. I hear the path to the villages is brutal. I hear that you've got to hike hours into the jungle in pretty rough terrain and up and down mountains and hillsides. And so I'm like looking in my closet and, you know, I got 
dress shoes. I've got loafers, but I don't have what I'm hearing. I'm, I don't have the kind of shoes I need. So I, I called Jeremy. And he says, listen, I know they're more expensive, he said, but I'm telling you, you need to invest in some Merrells. M-E-R-R-E-L-L. Anybody ever heard of a Merrell shoe? Oh, wow, okay. I never heard of it. <laughs> I was like, I, honestly, I went to the store and said, you got any Merrells? And the guy's like, oh, they're the best. I'm like, oh, good, okay. <laughs> Jeremy knew what he was talking about. And thankfully, they were on sale, but even on sale, they were still a little, a little over $100. I, it was strong. But I knew that this journey was not for the faint of heart. And again, not to brag, but Brother Bax couldn't have made this trip. Um, in fact, Jeremy asked me several times, are you sure? It's tough. He said, I'm telling you, it's, it's a tough journey. It's going to be hard. And I said, listen, I didn't buy these shoes for nothing. <laughs> and so we went for it, man. And I'm going to tell you, I'll be honest. There, were, there was one time where I did, I did get a little bit, I was unsure. I, I was, it was a little dangerous. It was a little steep, and I had to do what Jeremy taught us to do in the missions conference or chapel whenever he said, you just look to the next tree. And you get there, and you look to the next one. And I had to kind of go with short term because it was still an hour or an hour and a half away from the village, and I'm already wearing out. But I'm going to tell you, these strong shoes kept me from stumbling and falling and and hurting myself. And then, uh, oh, Nick, where's Nick? Nick Nick had (laughs) flip-flops. Poor Nick, man. He had those flip-flops. And so he had to borrow somebody else's flip-flops. Nick, what size are you? Ah, too bad. Buy your own shoes. I was going to throw these to you, but (laughs) none of that. Nick may go back, and I'm going to encourage you to get those shoes, man. But sometimes I think we look for the easy path, and God says, it's not going to be easy, but get some strong shoes. And, And strong shoes meaning fervent prayer. And asking God to do great things. But but be willing to pay the price in in your prayer time. Number five, and we're done. And this is one of my favorites. And we're done with this second of two sermons in this series. What to pray about. Number five, pray for little steps and small confirmations. Pray for little steps and small confirmations. Now, this is somewhat shocking. I want you to see verse 17. And we're going to close the message with just a few more notes. Notice here it says, Elijah was a man. Remember when I read the passage a moment ago and I read that like two or three times and I said, remember this, Elijah was a man. Because if, if, if you were to ask me, prior to what I know the scripture says, what do you think the Bible says next? After it says Elijah was a man, what do you think's next? I would have said this, honestly, I would have said this. Elijah was a man who called down fire from heaven. Elijah was a man who wasn't afraid of the prophets of Baal. Elijah was a man who was willing to stand up in the face of adversity and pray down. I mean, I would have given you the greatest resume you've ever heard. I mean, if you wanted a recommendation letter, talk to me. I can write a recommendation letter. I would have given him the greatest affirmation. But notice what it says here. Elijah was a man who was subject to like passions as we are. Here's what I'm doing. I'm trying to get you to realize that this is not a pastor thing or a preacher thing or an elitist thing. This is not an Elijah thing. 
This is not something you and I need to think, well, this, this kind of prayer life must come only by the, the great people. Listen, Elijah, if you read the story of the prophets of Baal, you will find out that soon after he got discouraged and depressed and got to a place where he was almost willing to throw in the towel. His faith was weak. He was a man, just like I'm a man with flesh and I'm weak sometimes and I struggle sometimes. Lord, help us to rid ourselves of the thinking that people who pray like Elijah prayed are just different than regular folks like us. That should be on the notes. They're just different than regular folks like us. It's not true. That is not true. The truth of the matter is, is all of us are just regular folks. All of us. There's none righteous. None of us today can claim some kind of special access to God because... You know, we're, we're, we're the pastor, or we're the deacon, or we're the elder. No, no, no. You and I have access to God, and we can pray just like Elijah prayed. That's for you too, women. Ladies in the church, you cry out to God just like men cry out to God. We're all in this thing together. I want you to notice here, as the verse goes on, it says that he was subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Now, this account happened during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel. And if you know anything about Ahab and Jezebel, you know these were not really good people and they were a very big nemesis to Elijah. But Elijah prayed for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and the heavens gave rain. I want you to stop here for just a moment. And I'm not asking you to totally connect to this truth takes a lot of time to build it and I could preach on these two verses for weeks I mean they're great verses there's a lot here but quickly can I give you my final thought little steps and small confirmations Elijah didn't pray for judgment to fall on Ahab and Jezebel he didn't pray God kill him this three and a half years of prayer was actually I believe Elijah was praying that God would show mercy and long-suffering to these two people who desperately needed to know the grace of God. And he prayed for little steps and small confirmations that God might show them how much he loved them. I said all that to say this, I'm convinced that that is the key to a great prayer life. It is not praying for immediate results. It is praying through the process. You see, for instance, when my wife was sick, at first, I prayed for God to totally heal her. Just touch her. Just heal her. Remove all those, those, um, all the ulcers and all the... Th- remove all that. Just heal my wife and restore her back to health. And for years, she kept getting sick over and over again. And it was this process. But all along the way, I look back on it, honey, and I see little steps and small confirmations. I see that God intended my wife to be healed differently than I intended my wife to be healed. Because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And, and so I wanted my wife to be totally healed. I wanted to wake up and all the scars go away and all the, 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 the toxin, the, all the things inside your body go away and all the problems go away. And I just wanted her to be brand new, like our wedding day, just brand new, perfect, like, like I married her. And how selfish was that? I wanted what I wanted. I was praying for immediate results. And God said, this is going to be a process, son. In fact, it's going to be 20 years. 20 years. 
And, and then at the end of it, I'm actually going to heal her. It's going to sound strange, but I'm actually going to allow her colon to be taken. And, and we're going to, I've given men wisdom to be able to create other ways for her to be able to exist like that. And, and you're going to be able to use 20 years of her battle with ulcerative colitis and, and, and my long suffering and, 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 and all the things I did along the way to help thousands of people in your ministry. See, son, if I'd have done it your way and given you what you wanted when you wanted it, you would ne- not be nearly as effective as you are because I did little steps and small confirmations. So maybe what we ought to be praying is not so much that our lost loved one is saved today, not saying that's wrong, but maybe what we ought to be praying for is that God would give them gospel conversations with people that would help them to get closer to getting saved. You see, how many of you are just thankful for li- Marlena, let me ask you a personal question. I think you'll answer it. I don't think it's too personal. When you were going through that with Jerome and I see you for a week, did you love it when the nurse just came in and said, wow, he's at, instead of 60% oxygen, he's at 50%. What did you do when that happened? You, I'll tell you what else you did. You called me. <laughs> you called me. Preacher, preacher, it's unreal. He's at 50% oxygen. And then I would say, you know, big lack of it. Well, is he still on the ventilator? Well, yeah, he's on the ventilator. But, but I mean, it's a lot better. You know, she's thankful for a little step. I mean, he's just doing a little better. Are you with me? You see, I think sometimes, church, we miss the power of prayer when we skip over the little steps. All we're looking for is the end result. When God says, listen, I want you to recognize me in the little steps and small confirmations. And so I draw your attention in closing to the last statement I made here. Great prayer comes through people like us who choose to pursue God in fervent prayer. That's when great, that's great prayer. It comes through people like us. Not just Elijah, not just Pastor Eric. Boy, he's really in tune with God. Well, you can be too. Some of you are probably more in tune with God than I am. Truth of the matter is, is I've begun to realize that I've really fallen short on this subject. And I'm making up for some lost time. And I pray that God's helping you through this series. Let's bow for prayer, shall we?